Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Today we have Ben with us, and he is currently riding 10,000 miles to raise awareness for distracted driving and to promote digital wellness. He's been on the journey since August of 2021, seeing kindness even during the challenging times. Hello, Ben, and thank you for being on Bike Life. And tell us, where are you at now? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm speaking to you from Williamstown, Massachusetts, which is nestled in the northwest corner of the state. Uh, So right up against Vermont and New York here. Oh, I'm sure that's a beautiful place to be this time of year. It really is. It's the the best time of year to be here for sure. And uh, I, I lived here for three years before I started my bike trip. um, And I'm back doing a little bit of work for the company that I was working at um, just for about a month and a half before I actually head back out on the road um, in a couple of weeks, which is exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. I know you've been on a a temporary pause to recover from an injury. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I rode for about three months in the fall after I left work here in in Massachusetts and uh, took a couple months for the holidays uh, back home in Connecticut. And then in January, I picked back up where I left off in the in the Northwest, heading down the Pacific Coast. And uh, about a week into riding, I started having some pretty significant knee pain and tried to ride through it for about a week. Um, and it, it became uh, almost unbearable. So I had to stop um, and that's after that second week. And uh, it came home for for, you know, since early February. So that's where where I've been uh, up until early June when I came up to, to Massachusetts uh, to do some work here. And did you determine to have some type of injury or was it just overuse? Fortunately, it's just overuse. I never had any uh, MRI or imaging done um, because the people that I've talked to have, have said that it, it seems not structural. So just, you know, doing a lot of biking without a lot of maintenance on your body and stretching and care, giving back to, to the body, uh, takes a toll, it turns out. And, Mm -hmm. um, so it's a good lesson to learn. Unfortunately, uh, knocking on wood, there's nothing, nothing long-term or any major intervention like surgery that needs to happen. And you're about to resume. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, doing some uh, training while uh, up here. I, my first ride since, February was just over a month ago in mid-May. Um, and since then, I've been doing a lot more riding and it's been feeling good. So I feel feel much more confident to, to resume and hopefully finish up the, the 10,000 miles. Our bodies are amazing machines that can recover from lots of things. They are incredible. Yeah, that's it's a it's been I've never had a setback like this before, so it's been really humbling and I think just an important life lesson to have something, you know, this plan that I had kind of totally derailed for a period of time and it's allowed me to to focus on what's important and to reset what <laughs> what my expectations are versus what the the reality of what I can push 
push through is. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about this journey about raising awareness for distracted driving and promoting digital wellness. These are very, very um, important topics of our time. How did you come to the decision to really want to focus on this area during your journey? Yeah, there's there's sort of a a longer answer to it. And I, I've been trying to distill it into a digestible little <laughs> soundbite. Um Give us the long. Give us, give us the long. We're here. You're on a podcast around the world. (laughs) Let people hear your, your truth. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I, so I, I mentioned I've been working and, or had been working and living up in Williamstown for the last few years. And there's a summer camp based here called Overland Summers. Um, and it's an adventure travel camp. So there's not actually a physical camp location here. Um, so I was a hiking trip leader, my first two summers after graduating from college, I went to Kenyon College out in uh, Gambier, Ohio. Um, so I led hiking trips in the Pacific Northwest my first summer and then in Europe my second summer. And after that second summer, I moved into a year-round role planning um, a bunch of trips uh, for, for Overland and um, getting to see sort of the other side of things. Um, and part of the experience being a leader and working full-time is um, learning about this organization that I'm partnered with now, which is called Text Less, Live More. And the reason why you learn about it as a, an Overland leader is because it was started after um, a student on an Overland trip, a cross-country bike trip, uh, was killed by a distracted driver back in 2013. And the family of this uh, student, Merritt Levitan, um, started Text Less the More along with um, some friends of Merritt's in the year after the crash happened. And um, they've taken a really cool and inspiring approach to this tragedy that happened to their family, which was the opposite of what a lot of folks do. And so they they were anti-anger and channeled love and forgiveness toward the person who made a four second mistake to text while driving, um, which caused the crash into this group of cyclists riding cross country forgiveness towards that and love and trying to extend the, the spirit of merit into all aspects of their lives. So they've maintained a really close relationship with Overland, which is the company um, that, you know, merit was on the trip with. Um, and the lessons from that day are a part of a a really big part of Overland's culture and mission now. Um, so you hear about that as a leader and it's pretty eye opening experience to, you know, to, to hear about this crash because I had no idea that someone had died on an Overland trip before, um, being a leader. Um, so it's, it's humbling as a leader and then, you know, leading again, you hear more and more, and then working in the office, you have experiences and opportunities to meet the family because they're, you know, they're always coming through Williamstown to say hello and they have a really close relationship. So getting to know them and, and learn about the love that they have for what we're doing at Overland and for their their daughter that they lost is is really incredible. And since the crash happened because of a, a cycling trip, um, I have a close connection to that mission in particular as a, 
a cyclist and, um, you know, moving up to Williamstown, that's when I really started to, to ride a lot more. Um, and so as I was starting to plan the, the bike trip in January of last year, I reached out to text Let's Live More uh, for a partnership because I cared a lot about what they're doing. And I, I wanted to have um, something more than just riding across the country to help keep me going and to, to sort of fuel the, the trip and also to, to give back to, to the community around and, um, and to text us more specifically. What a beautiful way to honor uh, a tragedy. And I'm glad that you shared the long version because that's a really powerful story to share. And the piece about the family that lost their daughter Focusing on love and forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. And I'm sure that that has created a lot of ripples of change in all of the communities that were involved. I think so. Yeah. And it's, it's been really, it's, it, I mean, it just kind of sets the tone for the entire experience, both at Overland and for, for what I'm doing. Um, and at, at a time where, there's so much negativity, especially in our country and anger. Um, I think it's, it provides a really nice backdrop for interactions as I'm on the road where, you know, in situations where I might be a little bit more timid or afraid to interact with strangers, just to have, you know, that in the back of my head that this family experienced the hardest thing that they could ever endure. And they are still able to put love out into the world to be able to, have that in my head, it's really helpful for, for the hardest moments while, while on the road and, and off the road. Perspective, really big perspective. Totally. Yeah. yeah I, I can appreciate that. And while you're on this journey honoring, um, and I really love that text less, live more. That is, that's pretty powerful. Um, how do you share your message with others when you're on your journey? Like, how are you creating impact? Yeah. And that, that's a really good question. It's, it's, it's honestly challenging when I'm on the road to always be thinking about that message because there, there's so much that goes into a, a solo bike trip just from the side of logistics. Um, and so I, I've found that any interaction that I can have or that I do have with a person, whether that's stopping for lunch somewhere and talking to a local or, staying with folks through warm showers or just meeting people on the side of the road, just mentioning what I'm doing and trying to engage with them about what their relationship is to technology and to distractions in their cars um, has been really helpful. But it, it's, it's also interesting because I think I've made the most impact because of my injury while, while I've been off the road, um, because I've had the time to be a lot more intentional about, um, engagement and putting stuff out on ironically social media, which is <laughs> another, right. another thing is the, the relationship between us and social media. Um, but being able to, to have longer conversations with folks on the phone or doing small, talks or presentations to, to local groups, um, I think has, has been, that's been a, a really effective and powerful way to, to engage with the message that I, I'm supporting. 
there's still a place for social media. You know, we know that it's not going away. We know the technology. You and I were just speaking about that before we started to record that there there are a lot of pros to what technology can bring us as a society right now, and yet not allowing it to be the dictator of every part of our life, especially when it comes to safety with things like driving, is we can separate them. We can separate the need for technology, how it impacts our lives and and how we get to choose. Like we are, we are a hundred percent in control of how often technology and social media is um, influencing us. We think we're not. And although we have dopamine hits and all the chemicals that go off with social media, but truly it's still a choice at the end of every day when you pick up your phone. Um, and maybe it doesn't feel like that because a lot of people have so many habits built around it that they don't know how to exist without it. I would say that it it takes some consciousness of awareness of what you're doing to start spending less time on your device. Right. And that, what you just said there gets at the the heart of the message, which is awareness. It's text less, live more. And I certainly are not ever <laughs> asking people to throw their phones away or mm-hmm. to completely cut out social media um, because there is, there is a, a world where social media can po- can contribute positively to your life. Um, but I think only when you have the awareness of what you're doing on it and why you're doing that rather than just kind of going into what you were talking about, the robotic, uh, habits of, you know, scrolling and, and trying to get those, those dopamine hits and things like that. Um, and awareness, yeah, it's, it's awareness both in and out of the car. Um, of course in the cars, the, the most important part of the message from a safety standpoint, but living more means being present and aware of everything that you're doing and knowing when, when what you're doing on your phone is helping you, or if you're just trying to maybe escape from something that's in your present moment that you don't want to be around. Or boredom. I mean, I, 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 I feel like so many people just pick up their phone when they have a second, when they could actually just be breathing or like going for a walk or drinking water, having a meal. Most people, that's when their device is in their hand, when they're not doing something that they are required to do, especially if they don't need to be on their phone for work. I feel like... Um, One of the things I can share, Ben, that I did several years ago is I made a conscious decision to live a notification-free life, which means my phone is never off of Do Not Disturb, ever, which means I don't take incoming phone calls. Um, It's not that I don't check my phone, and it's not that I don't see notifications when I do, but my phone does not make any noise. It does not – like it it never gives me feedback, ever – and then I went a step further, probably three or four months later, and made my my home a notification-free zone. So when my friends or my children came over, they know that their phone goes on silent in my home. So I actually don't ever hear cell phone noises in my life unless I'm like out in public. And when I hear somebody else's phone go off, it's like a shock, <laughs> especially if they have right. like a really ra- loud like ringtone. I'm like, oh my gosh, it startles me. And it makes me realize how often we live with our nervous system at this like heightened state of ding, 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 because I don't, I don't, I don't experience that. And there's a lot of, I get a lot of blowback about that. Surprisingly, um, mostly people will say, um, you know, how do you, you know, how do you run a business? How do you do your work without taking incoming calls ever? Cause my phone doesn't ring. And I, I have a voicemail that says, 
I don't actually take incoming, incoming calls. I don't check my messages very frequently, but he's here, here's how you can reach me and I'll get back to you within this period of time. Because I know within two hours, I'm going to look at my phone for a text message or an email or a missed phone call and then I'll, I'll return the call. And then of course, there are those in my life that have access to break through that in an emergency. So like everybody's excuse as to, well, my, my kids need to reach me. My spouse needs to be able to reach me. Yeah, mine, mine do too. And they know how. Most of the time, 99.9% of the time, they don't need to reach me right now. Maybe today, but not right now. And so it's been life-changing for me. And I share that story with a lot of people because there is something that changes in how you participate in social media as a whole. If you don't hear the dings, like that's like one, one step. And, and the other part is when you talk about awareness and living, if we are constantly allowing external uh, input to come at us continually, like 24 seven, because some people don't even turn their phones off overnight. I don't even know. I don't know how, how do you sleep with, I mean, people get so used to the noise that their phone makes or the vibration that they don't even realize it's actually, you can hear it when you're sleeping, even if you think you can't, like you can. I'm not, I'm not sure how that, how that, how people do that, but it makes me really, really, really aware of how difficult it is for people to really, um, understand that it's, it becomes like an addiction. Totally. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that you've done that. That's such a good idea. How, how long have you been living without almost three, almost three years, almost three years. And here's, here's a couple of funny things. So in the last couple of months, I had an important phone call that I was, I had scheduled like a meeting that was going to happen by phone because heaven forbid, we actually have meetings by phone now because they're all done by (laughs) Zoom. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. I have a meeting that's by phone. I have to turn my phone on. Like I have to turn off the do not disturb. And Mm -hmm. I I have all my notifications otherwise turned off anyway. So even if my phone is not on do not disturb, it's not like anything is going off. Um, But I started getting a couple of different phone calls that came through like right at that time. And I was just, I didn't even remember that I had a ringtone. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a, I laughed. I had a specific song as a ringtone that I haven't heard in four years. Um, It was, it's, it is a very different way of life. And Again, it doesn't reflect how often I'm on my phone. I'm probably on my phone as much as everyone else. I still visit social media. I do all of the things, but there's just no noise associated with it. And I, I think that that's just, that's just step one, right? Step two is understanding that every time that you pick it up and put it in your hand, instead of just being with yourself or just being present to what's happening around you, is it takes work. Like we, it takes work. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah, and the the habits that you build, it's so deeply entrenched in our our yeah our reflexes to try to to reach for our phones. And what you just said reminded me of there's a I think is in March the National Day of Unplugging is something that um, mm. you know, a variety of organizations support, but Texas Live More in particular um, promotes it every year. And so I went 24 hours with my phone turned off, just like in my backpack. Um, And I was in Boston at the time seeing some friends and to drive, I was driving them around, you know, and was out and about without my phone. And to have that experience after, you know, not being more than 10 feet away from it for, you know, however many years uh, in a row um, was really interesting just to observe how often I felt the urge to just take my phone out of my pocket Mm -hmm. and just to see. um, 
And it, it made me think of, you know, why am I doing this? I didn't get any sort of input, as you're saying, that, you know, someone needed to contact me. So it, it made me realize, you know, how much of my, at least for me, my phone use comes from searching for something that will make me feel good. Um, and I think just just having that small period of time away from it was made quite a big difference in, in my approach to it. And I feel like I've been relatively aware of my phone use for, you know, a number of years now. Um, but just to, to actually remove it from the equation for a period of time was, was really neat. Yeah. I think people get very nervous at the idea. <laughs> like we're talking yeah. about something that's probably pushing a whole lot of buttons right now for people that are <laughs> uh, like, woo, I'm not sure about that. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009. And see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Um, I, I was talking to a, my daughter and, um, you know, who's grown and her friends and, you know, they, they don't, they have never experienced life without a, a, a cell phone. Like they don't know any, they don't know any different. And I started asking them some pretty particular questions just in my own study of how I live and, you know, what we do with our devices. And they, you know, they all sleep with their phones too. They put their extension cords and their chargers. So it's like on their pillow or next to their bed. They, um, they will all be together and they'll act actually text each other even when they're with each other, like either reminders or funny jokes if they're in a group. And, um, I start, I start seeing this like patterning. And of course, I, I do my best to live by example for my children so they know how it's possible to take a break from. And when we were having this conversation, I started telling these you know, young women that my son, my older child, has gone off all social media. And he doesn't use um, voicemail on his phone. So his phone, his device is pretty much only for texting and for phone calls. And I was, and, and he's, you know, a couple of years older and they, these, these younger ones were so absolutely shocked that he would not access social media. And I, I felt like this super happy moment of, oh, maybe, maybe my work in this area has has had an impact. Maybe, maybe I'm seeing one, mm -hmm. one kid, like one human experience life without external input. Yeah. Yeah. I, you mentioned that you, what we're talking about is likely pushing a lot of people's buttons. Mm -hmm. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And I also just want to share one snippet that I was surprised about. So I did a, a small presentation at my high school in Connecticut uh, a little over a month ago talking about, you know, my experience on the road, why I'm doing this and talking about our, our phone, our relationships to our phones. Um, and one piece that I talk about is screen time, which I don't know if you ever look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the most phones have sort of a breakdown of 
what you how often you use your phone and and how long the screen is on and which apps you're using each day. Um, and I, you know, when I was building the slides for this, I I kind of made it anticipating that none of the younger people in the world would have any idea what this is because they're just glued to their phones all the time. And every single person knew what the, what screen time was and had a rough idea of what their daily mm. usage was. And so that was interesting, one. And two, they also, a lot of them also had negative things to say about social media despite using those platforms for multiple hours every single day. And so that just got me thinking about the sort of pressure that people are under to be on these apps to mm. feel like they're part of the community and not feeling left out in any way. And I thought that was just a, a fascinating side of things that I hadn't really been thinking about at all. You know, I thought it was just, you know, younger people in particular, the total lack of awareness of their phone use. And they're just, you know, going off the deep end, but they're, they're so smart and so aware of all of it. And I mean, it gave me hope and it was also just kind of like, huh, you're still using your phone so much. Like how, how can we get ourselves out of this hole? Well, I think you named it. It's how do we define community, right? That's the definition of community has changed with technology in so many ways. It has connected us to people and places and all over the world that we would have never been able to consider part of our community before. I mean, if you go back to tribal days, you know, we would maximum have like 50 or hundred people in our life. Like that was it. You're like, those are your people forever. You might meet somebody out and about, but highly unlikely. Whereas now when you have lots and lots and lots of people on social media, you can feel like you are creating connections and being fulfilled in larger quantities, but it's actually the opposite. And I, I think that our schools, I know we're going way deep into this rabbit hole, but if we're talking about <laughs> digital wellness <laughs> for your journey, um, I think it goes back to our schools, right? To bring in and continue to keep that one-on-one -on -one human real connection alive and find ways to utilize technology for good. Because there are ways to utilize technology for good, like you and I, to be able to have this conversation in different parts of the United States and have good audio that can be listened to around the world. I mean, there's technology being used for good, right? So I think that I think our school systems are involved in that and the idea of community um, has been redefined. And I don't, I don't know the solution to that. I only know the solution for me. <laughs> I could, I could only say what's worked for me and, and allows me to be so productive in the work that we do at Warm Showers and be able to host this podcast and do all of the work we do for what, 100 and 200,000 people around the world is because, you know, we, we have adopted certain practices and principles on our own well-being as humans, which are, we know that our community does as well. Well, I think that's, it's interesting that, you know, the, there is no solution clearly laid out. And I think being able, being aware of your own solution and what works for you and sharing that is a great step because it's going to be different for every single person to find the combination of factors that allows for a healthy working relationship with technology. So simply just sharing your own experience mm kind of can get the, the mind thinking of like, you know, I hadn't thought about leaving Do Not Disturb on for 24 hours a day. That's a great idea. And you, know, you can kind of tweak it to whatever works with your lifestyle and needs. 
Yeah, I had somebody say to me recently that, well, I work in sales, and so I have to talk all day long. And I said, great. What time do your sales calls start? I said, eight. And when do they stop? I, they said, five. I said, great. So your do not disturb is on from 5 p.m. until 8 a.m. Like a simple, simple solution. Right. I, I think it's just getting yourself to the point of understanding that the quality of life that you can live is so much richer, you know, so much richer when we are experiencing nature and, you know, specifically for us, when you are touring on your bike or you're interacting with the community or you're hosting someone that you're really creating real, real connections. Uh, I think that that's, that's how people experience how, how it's worth breaking those habits. Totally. Yeah. And any, any, period of time that you're out of your routine or doing something really neat, new and exciting, like going on a bike ride or going on a a walk without your phone is going to help you get there. Um, I think it's a lot harder to convince people to, to break the, the daily routine or change their habits at all. If, if nothing else is changing or there's not any sort of experience, Mm. a positive experience away from the phone. Um, and that's sort of where I, first, when I first had the, the thought and realization that being away from technology is not only healthy, but really can be powerful. And, and as you say, enriching your life, um, was, uh, backpacking and scouts. I didn't really do a lot of, I did some biking before I moved up to Williamstown four years ago. Um, but I had mostly grown up hiking. And so mm-hmm. we would spend a week, uh, with scouts each summer, um, backpacking just in some beautiful place in the, the U.S. without any sort of technology for um, for a week, and to be with a group of fourteen people with you know dads included, with just nothing, maybe a digital camera, um, but to just be so present with one specific group of people. Maybe you don't like everyone, maybe you don't get along with everyone, but to have an experience where everyone is so focused on w- what's in front of them um, really opened my eyes to to that exactly what you're talking about. I love it. And thank you, Ben. I mean, I know we kind of went down like some rabbit holes on the digital (laughs) wellness part. And, you know, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing for distracted driving and for digital wellness. I think that we need more of this in our in our world and in all of our communities. And so coming on the show and being willing to talk about it is amazing. And we're going to put the link to everything that we discussed, how people can get involved in the organization, text less, live more, how they can find you and follow your journey. We're going to put all of that in the show notes, but I want you to know that we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful to be here. And I, we haven't even talked about how much warm showers has uh, (laughs) made my journey possible and so much so much better and doable. Um, it's, it's been amazing. And I think it'd be worth just sharing that. Um, my parents have, my parents are the reason why I found out about warm showers. Mm. They've been signed up as hosts down in Connecticut for a number of years. I think since before I started college. So I think in the early 2010s, um, and there's not a whole lot of people that ride through Ridgefield, Connecticut on tours. Um, but they do get people every once in a while. And they actually hosted a group of four cyclists on Monday, um, which was neat just to see photos. I was pretty jealous that, uh, they got to host them and I wasn't, I wasn't there. (laughs) Um, but, um, I've stayed with, I think about 25 or so warm showers, uh, hosts on the trip so far. And 
I've been in a couple tough logistical challenges. Um, and for, for all of those situations, I've relied on the warm showers network and mm. it's been unbelievable. And there was, and I know <laughs> just being mindful of time, but before I stopped riding in November, I, I had a problem with my front brake and I was in, um, Southern Washington and just was <laughs> one day from being, from having gone to the coast. So I never actually made it to the coast mm-hmm. on the three month ride <laughs> in the fall, which was fine, but also kind of a funny lesson to have. So anyways, I was stuck in, uh, Raymond, Washington and needed to get to Portland, Oregon somehow. Um, and I, just looked at the warm showers app and messaged a number of the hosts in the area. And the res- the thing that's always blown my mind about warm showers is the responsiveness of people, mm-hmm. um, no matter what time of day that you're messaging them and just the willingness to either help you or connect you to people that can help you um, without having any sort of interaction or exchange beforehand is it's just amazing. And it's uh, completely made my experience um you know, enti- entirely humbling. And uh, I'm so grateful for for the community. Well, that's amazing. And make sure that you thank your parents for us for being hosts and introducing you to warm showers. We do have a very unique community. It is quite, it is something very special. And um, thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I cannot wait till I'm in one spot uh, for more than a couple weeks at a time so I can host people and and begin to to repay all that I've been given. We'll make sure that you keep in touch with us. And when that happens, we'll have you back on the show and we'll talk about the different perspective of what's going on along your journey. I would love that. That would be amazing, Tyler Lee. Thank you so much, Ben. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying in touch. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was really awesome. Thank you. And for everyone listening, please feel free to share this episode with anyone that you think might benefit. Thank you for listening and we will be back. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.